Welcome to Talking Home Renovations with House Maven. I am your host, Catherine McPhail. I am an architect practicing in Massachusetts. My specialty is additions and renovations to older homes, incorporating new technologies and sustainable practices. Since 2019, we have covered so much about home renovations, from foundations to roofing, how to hire design professionals and contractors, DIY challenges, sustainability, women in renovations, and so many home renovation stories from all of you. In this episode, we're talking about one of my favorite subjects, which you may know is landscape design. To me, the landscape and the house, all of it come together to create the entire home. So in my mind, the exterior is definitely very important, as important as the interior. My guest this week is Steve Griggs. He's the author of Straight Dirt, New York's premier landscape designer, tells it like it is. You can check out his work at stevegriggsdesign.com. I'll have all his information in the show notes. Steve and I discuss the importance of having a plan and high-value, low-cost improvements to the landscape and more. Here's my conversation with Steve. Welcome to the show, Steve. Glad to be here, Catherine. By way of introduction, you're a landscape architect. I wish I were a landscape architect. I guess my first basic question for a lot of homeowners might be, do I really need to hire a landscape architect? And that seems kind of like a fancy thing to do. Do I really need one? I know it's hard enough to sell architects services to people. Absolutely. They don't really see the value in why should I pay you X amount of dollars for a piece of paper with the drawing on it. Right. But when it really comes push comes to shove, the plan is a graphical representation of what you're trying to do. It keeps everybody on the same page. Trust me, I've seen so many people try to do it without the plan and it becomes, it costs you five times as much guaranteed on every single job whether you put the plants in the wrong spot, the pool in the wrong spot, all of it. Yeah. You need a plan. Yeah. Architecture, landscape, anything. That's true. Besides planning, a landscape architect, as opposed to a landscape designer, you have the knowledge to deal with things like pools and retaining walls and other more complicated things, as well as the whole layout. What do you do? What do you contribute to a home renovation project, would you say? So basically, I do what you do, but on the outside. So people understand more what an architect is. They don't know what a landscape architect is. I'm telling you, like I have to re-educate them. So I say, you wouldn't build a house without an architect. You wouldn't do the outside without a landscape architect, right? Mm. That's basically the simplest way to put it. Like they think, oh, what do I need a landscape plan for? I just have to put a few bushes here and there. But it's like, you wouldn't build a house without an architect. Same thing on the outside. Yeah. I have a harder time selling my services than you do. I'm interested in pools and I haven't had anybody on here talk about pools. Now, it seems to me pretty obvious that having someone actually plan a pool and your poolscape and the whole area around it would be very valuable. What are your thoughts on pool pool design? So, listen, you can't do a swimming pool without a plan. First of all, you need an engineer to s- sign off on the, on the structure of it. You need zoning approval. You need to put a fence around it. Do you want gunite or vinyl? It's a whole nother thing besides moving a few plants around. Mm. When I typically do some planting, you don't really need a an architect stamp for it, but you do when you do a swimming pool. Absolutely. Yeah. That's a whole nother ball of wax with the towns and the zoning and the permitting process for sure. Yeah. And they're not, they're not uh, inexpensive to install either. How much is it? about? it's like around here anyway, I feel like it's about um, maybe 250,000 to put in a pool. 
pool's a hundred grand. Yeah. Plus all the decking and the fencing. The and I the tell people house. the pool's the cheapest part. Yeah, that's true. The pool is I the mean, cheapest part. It's the cheapest part. You have the lighting, you have the landscaping, you have the fence, you have the patios, the furniture. Absolutely. 250 is a perfect number. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm not going to be putting that in my house. Do you have a pool? Yes. Yes, of course. I bet it's nice too. I mean, I walk by houses and I can definitely tell when they've, someone's designed the, the whole landscape. And then when, you know, someone did it maybe a hundred years ago and they've just let it go. Listen, there's a, there's a, you can dig a hole and fill it with water and call it a swimming pool, yeah, but it's really, it it's really the whole environment. When, when you incorporate the patio, the landscaping, that's what makes the whole package. You can tell if it's been done professionally or not for sure. Yeah. I'm kind of curious to know whether there are are neighborhoods that require certain landscaping. Like they don't allow certain plants or I know some people aren't allowed to put vegetables in their front yard. Are, are there regulations like that in place so, with homeowners? Yeah, like typically in, 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 in communities that have homeowners associations, they're very strict about what you can plant, what you can't plant. They want to keep it with the same theme in the whole neighborhood. You don't want to put a palm tree up in New England kind of thing. It won't live, but mm. they want to keep it the same plant palette, which is actually beneficial for um, the whole community. It kind of gives it a cohesiveness keeps the property values up mm. um, and it just looks better if it's designed properly. I for guess. Sure. Who gets to decide what gets to be planted though? That would be the, the design review architectural committee. review board, the landscape committee they have. Mm. I know it's kind of, you know, people telling you what you can plant or can't, can't plant, but it actually has a benefit to it where, cause you have people just running to the local nursery and buying a bunch of stuff and it would look terrible. Yeah. What I, what I find very interesting you probably can relate to this is that I get a lot of homeowners that just show me the all the beautiful gardens on Pinterest yeah. or Instagram. Mm -hmm. and, and I try to, you know, bring them to reality to say, listen, it looks great, but these pictures, these Martha Stewart type gardens, they have somebody there clipping and pruning and snipping every day of the week. Mm -hmm. We try to plant stuff that's natural, that's low maintenance, that the deer won't eat. You have to keep in mind of the deer, um, the rabbits, all that stuff. So there's a lot that goes into just planting a garden that, I just want to see beautiful flowers. Most of the flowers don't even last all summer. No, they don't. That's the thing. And you have to deadhead them and clip them and try to, that's a whole nother topic on just the maintenance of a garden, designing a garden that's sustainable that you don't have to spend a fortune on, uh, on maintaining it. Yeah. Which is mostly planting the right plant in the right place. Like people plant things that they don't want to be a certain size, even though naturally that plant wants to be, you know, let's say eight feet and they don't want it to be eight feet. They want it to be four feet. So they have to spend their whole, time just cutting it back all the time what a waste of time it's like you you went to school for architecture to learn how to how to you know design the building so it's going to stand up with the foundation same with me we went to school seven years to learn what kind of plants do where mm. what does well with the soil and the, there's a whole science to it mm. that's why you need a good design period yep. Yep, you need true. a design so you're mostly working out of new york or do you work all yes. over the country uh, we've been to a few other, you know, Sacramento, Massachusetts, Georgia, but mainly in the tri-state area. Yeah. Is it hard to design gardens or landscapes in places that are different, totally different climate or? No, it's just a different plant palette. You, yeah. you do like plant hardiness zone. Some plants like it colder, some plants like it warmer. But from a design standpoint, it's still the same design theory. Hmm. Yeah. If you want a focal point for a, a specimen tree. In the Northeast, it could be a Japanese maple. Down South, it could be a, a palm tree. So it's still, it's just the same design theory on how everything flows 
focal points, enhancement plants, and splashes of color and how it all kind of lines up. Yeah. What's your garden like? Your personal? Like, what is your I'm like, I'm like, I'm like the shoemaker guy. Uh, I know about that. But no, seriously, we're doing this for so many years. Like, I don't like the heavy perennial gardens because I don't want to, I don't, I'm not maintaining it. Right. Mm-hmm. So we use, I use decorative black Mexican beach pebbles, right? Instead of just regular gravel. I have three dogs, so I have to keep in mind, hey, I don't want little pea gravel because they'll kick it all over the place. So I use the big, heavy Mexican beach pebbles, right? Mm. We use a lot of boxwoods because I have a lot of deer. And for splashes of color, I just get, I use uh, beautiful pots with um, seasonal coloring. Mm. At the end of the year, you just take them out, chuck them out. Like you don't need to go crazy with this stuff. Interesting. It has to be planned out properly to get that nice curb appeal. Sometimes simpler is better. Yeah, that's true. I I personally like flowering shrubs because they just do their thing and they flower and they stop flowering and there they are the whole year. You don't really have to do that much for them. Then you, yeah, but you have people say, oh, I want color all year. I want what the funniest is when they say, oh, I like a lot of color, but I'm allergic to bees. Exactly. Right? The bees. People hate bees. I come across so many people. I have this bee tattoo. So I like bees. Let me see the tattoo. You see? All right. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, I got my little bee and this lady is like, how do I not have bees in my garden? And I think, why do you not want to have? They're not going to bother you. The bees, they're just doing their thing for your plants. But turns out people have plastic shrubs, which I had no idea that there are plastic shrubs that people, I don't know who, but someone could plant plastic shrubs in their yard. They won't have any bees. You can do that. I I was kind of surprised. You can also put pink flamingos in your front yard too. <laughs> yeah, there are a bunch of things you could do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I was mostly Australia, but um, yeah. Anyway, I the flowering shrubs. Everything has its season. That to me, that's the beauty of a landscape. It's not supposed to just be the same all year or from May to October. It turns color. It's the whole thing is a changing, a changing palette. So, what I find interesting is that. People, if I take them to the nursery, let's say, and it's springtime, mm. it's like taking them to a candy store. Mm-hmm. They want one of everything. And I tried to explain to them, it's flowering now, but in two weeks it won't be flowering. So I think if somebody can take something out of this, it's like, try to pick plants. They flower at different times of the year. Try to get something that's always changing color. So you have colors throughout the season, not just a splash of color in the spring, and then it looks terrible all year that's why you want to mix in different kinds of flowers and plants that flower throughout the summer and then you want to have a splash of like evergreen so in the winter time it's not totally bare yeah so it's a this is delicate balance it really is yeah so and people like you would have a, a pretty deep knowledge of how to make that work where other people could too i suppose if they wanted to do it themselves but they kind of need to know what to look for so in order to know what to look for you need to know have some it education takes, about it. it takes a long you, time. If you want to, the amount of education, it's like you. You can build your own house too. Yeah. Uh, you know. <laughs> yeah, you, you could, could, but it takes could, a you while. You can do a lot of things too on your own. You can Google it. You, you can figure take it out. out but, your own tooth on your own, maybe. Yeah. I mean, it's like, I just, I'd rather just pay the professional. Right. Get it done right. Yeah. Do it once. Do it right. Yeah. Is yeah. my motto. And then, you know, don't cheap out on the materials. You you want to do this one time, right? It's your investment of your home. It's a big investment. And people don't realize to do it right, it costs a lot of money to do it properly. Yeah, it does. Speaking of which, how much should people budget for their, uh, like a basic landscape, would you say? I, it, it depends. Like, you know, if you have a million dollar home, they say 
a 10%, right? But if you put a swimming pool in, then that's, that's a hundred grand. That's basically it. If a good rule of thumb is, you know, 10% on the plantings and the softscape and another 10% on the hardscaping. So 20%, um, biggest bangs for the buck is um, what we're seeing a lot of is the outdoor kitchens, the mm. pavilions in the back, yeah. the fire pits, uh, basically extending the um, the outdoor season, mm-hmm. especially in the Northeast, as you know, yeah. we don't have a long season. So you want to stay outside as long as you can. Yeah. And you design all that too, the outdoor kitchens? Anything to do with the outside, anything that you don't design, we design. It's actually you and I should be- We should be, more, we should be collaborating. Absolutely. Because yeah. it's, it's one- it's that's what I don't think there's enough of is that the, the the house architect with the outside architect should be one. So when the whole project is done, it's very harmonious. True. It's not like two different. They have to get on the same page with create the same vision. Yeah. And that's what comes out the best. When I design a job with an architect comes out the best by far. Mm. Hey, tell me about your book. We did a book. We wrote a book called Straight Dirt, right? Uh, 30 years of doing this. There's pictures of jobs and explains the process of mm. what we do. It kind of helps the homeowners understand where you're coming from. Yeah, yeah. That makes sense. From a design standpoint. Mm-hmm. And, and that was, um, that, again, that's like when you do a, a home mm-hmm. and it takes a lot of work. That book's a labor of love. If I knew how much work it was, <laughs> I made it. It's like buying your, uh, your fix-up home and you don't realize after the fact. Yeah. A lot of work. A lot of work. But worth it? Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I would say it's worth it. Um, would I do it again? Yeah. But because you learn like the first um, home you've ever done, you know, you always learn. When I bought my first home, forget about it. I was just got married and the, the, the mistakes you learn along the way. Yep. It's just like doing a renovation. The mistakes that you learn, you won't do it again. Yeah. Um, and, and then like I, I was trying to think what your, you know, your listeners or homeowners homeowners redoing homes and trying to it's so much to learn it, it's like a minefield you don't know who to believe yes what experts to believe that's why when you go to people like yourself architect you have to trust the professionals that's true i'm telling you don't just listen to five different contractors because all they're going to give you is price and scope on the job and you have nothing to compare you're going to go for the lowest price yeah cost versus price right the cost is what you pay and the price is what you, you over the time if you have to keep fixing it every year it's yeah. going to cost you an aggravation. That's true. So do it once, do it right. Mm. You know, don't skip on the materials. Even when you're doing the interior of the house, like just do it right. When you talk about skimping on materials for the exterior. So what would be an example of that? We can go, uh, let's take, let's take, let's take, let's take for, for instance, like a patio, okay, like a paver patio or bluestone dry laid patio. Mm-hmm. One guy's prices. $30 a square foot, one guy is 20. Why are they so much different, right? The material's the same. The material is the same price, whether you buy from John down the street or Tom up the block, right? Um, how they, you know, they can use less um, gravel underneath, mm. right? Yeah. Less compaction, rush to compaction, you know? And then what's going to happen next year is it's going to settle mm. and you have to call them back to try to fix it. And if you really got a cheap price, good luck trying to get them back to fix it. Yeah. Right? Yeah, that's true. So how do you figure that out as a consumer? Do you call their references? What do you do? They're going to give you the 
They're going to give, give you the best ones. They're going to give you the best ones. I think it all comes down to the plan. If you have a, a, a graphic representation of the plan that clearly spells out mm. how many inches of this I want, how thick is this, how much compaction I need, and everybody's on the same page, then you can compare apples to apples. Yeah. Then you can shop it around to a couple of different guys. Mm. And then you, you're not just going by what this guy says he's going to do a hundred square feet of patio. This guy says a hundred square feet of patio. There's a lot of factors that go into it. That's why the plan is important because mm-hmm. you have a lot of details on the plan. That is very true. Uh, what about outdoor TVs? I know it's a random question, but around COVID, we were getting a lot of requests for uh, outdoor kitchens and outdoor living rooms and everybody was just moving outdoors. But I think it was because of the COVID thing. Are people still doing that as much? Or- I, I disagree with you on that just for the COVID thing. Okay. Like, well, I, think I thought people- it was just for a COVID thing. I am an outdoor TV. It's the best thing I ever did. Really? Yeah. I like watching like football games on the fall day or something. Uh-huh. Right? Yeah. What about mosquitoes um, and things? Um, I get tiki torches and stuff, but the thing about the TV real quick, there's a brand that you can buy for $10,000. Sunbrella. Great. Mm-hmm. Must spend in 10 grand on a TV. Or you can just buy a regular TV, put it outside and you buy um, a vinyl cover from Amazon for $29. Whoa. Same so, I mean, I'm trying to think of ways that, that you can get the same value, but not spend so much money because mm. we can talk about spending five, six, seven hundred thousand dollars in the backyard. But you can also get the same feeling and the same thing for way less. Yeah, I like it's that. Just, and then as far as with cold, yeah, everybody's been um, outside. I think I've had clients say, well, I, I really don't. Well, I don't go outside. We don't go outside. Yeah. So I say, well, if my backyard looked like your backyard, I wouldn't want to either. Right. <laughs> right. So by, by doing a few little simple things, a little fire pit, a little patio, a couple little things, mm. now they, they want to be outside more. Yeah. Been a huge benefit, people going outside for various reasons. Yeah, definitely. So what are some sort of reasonably priced improvements that people could make that would make a surprising difference? Do you have anything off the top of your head? Good, high value, um, low cost. A low voltage landscape lighting. Oh, yeah, yeah. That does look very nice. I like that. Very nice. Don't use the solar. We use a company called Volt. There's a lot of companies that you can get the, I mean, it's, if you're a little handy, you can kind of figure it out because mm-hmm. it's not that difficult because you have, um, you don't need to, you can put like t- 10, 20 lights on a, on a run or something like that, but mm. it's not, you don't have to be an electrician to do it. You basically need an outlet with a transformer. Run the wire. It's a good weekend project if you have any weekend warriors there that are looking to do something. Honestly, I feel like I'm on vacation if I see exterior lights in someone's yard. Yes, yes. Yeah. No, but the, the outdoor lighting looks very nice in the in the wintertime. Oh, it there's does. no leaves on the trees. Yeah. yeah. The snow and it reflects off the light oh, for yeah. sure. Yeah, when the snow is in the in the um light beams of light, it's magical. Oh, it's beautiful. Yeah. That's a definitely a good one. Fire pits, fire pits. You don't need to have gas fire pit. You can simply buy a uh, we use Woodland Direct a lot. You can buy a, a, a propane tank fire pit. Mm. Um, that's a great, inexpensive thing to do. Um, um, so I'm kind of afraid of fire pits. Um, I'm afraid of the the sparks coming and then burning down the house. Just use a, get, get a propane one. Get a propane one? Yeah. Okay. There's no sparks. No sparks. That sounds good. I have, uh, we have, um, I have a gas one and a wood one. Mm-hmm. The wood one, my wife cannot stand. Mm-hmm. I smell like smoke, she says. But the gas one is you just click a button and you get the ambiance, right? Right. Right. Which is better than the sparks and the smell. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Like, do you work for what I would call regular people or is it mostly higher end projects that, that require? Listen, you're not going to, you're not, you don't need to hire a landscape designer to plant 
nine bushes in the front of your house. But if you're certainly laying an outdoor space out with patios and walkways and traffic flow, you want to definitely have it done professionally. The the, the planting is just the icing on the cake. It's like the uh, eye candy, let's say. Right, right. Yeah. No, it's true. That's kind of the frosting. Yeah. Yeah. It's like what you do with the crown molding, right? Same thing. I'm the last guy on the, on the, on the chopping block. <laughs> yeah, that must. So when somebody builds a new house, they say, Hey, we, we spent all the money on the house. Everything costs a lot more. Mm-hmm. We can't go crazy with the landscape. My advice to them is like, listen, catch your breath, do it next year, put some grass down and let's do it right. Cause you're going to get one shot at doing it right. Don't just waste 20, $30,000 on putting some plants in just to appease your thing. I, I tell them, wait, yeah, like just. Hold off and do it right. No, nope, that's good advice. Um, just one of the biggest things is, like I said, you know, don't just spend money to spend money. Make sure you plan it out right and do it right. Even when you're doing your own, when you're doing your home, uh, we do a lot of renovations, older homes that we rip out this landscape and put new landscape in. And, you know, have the professional there that maybe there's some plants there that are worth saving or worth transplanting, mm. you know. But sometimes people get misconstrued. like, oh, let's just move that plant to the backyard. But they don't realize it's going to cost three times as much to move a new, to move that plant as to buy a new one. Yeah. Cause of the labor involved. Yeah. That's what they don't understand sometimes. Yeah. It's cheaper to buy five new ones and try to move one that may or may not live. But I did pay a lot of money to have this old, really old Japanese maple. I don't even like the weeping ones. And it was in the front bed of, I didn't like it there. So I moved it to the backyard. That was how big probably was it? a waste of money. I think it was, I mean, the, the trunk is about like this. It's a big tree. Right, but it's, it's short though. It's like a short little weeping one, but it's all like craggy and it's old. It's an old it's, tree, pretty old. But yeah, but so if you were to buy that tree, it's five thousand dollar tree. No, that's true. That's true. So if you can move it for a thousand bucks, it's worth it. Right, right. And they so transplant very easy, by the way. Japanese maples transplant very easy. Yeah, it didn't have a. It didn't have a hard time. It's so it's doing well this year. So 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 you're tackling your own renovation now. Yes. What kind of problems are you coming up with? With my yard or my house? Because <laughs> I have them both. I have all sorts of, um, well, just, it was a lot more structural work than I had hoped going in. There was, you know, like no bottom sill in the whole back part that we're, we're redoing. There was a lot of um, stuff done in, in the 90s that required a complete re uh, replacement of the structure, basically. So it's like when we do a swimming pool, like, I don't know what's under the... Th- under the ground when I start digging the pool and yeah. I hit rock, I have to hammer the rock. Exactly. Yeah. So it's so, so same thing. You don't really know what you're getting into. Mm. That's why you try to tell people, you know, if you have your budget at 20,000, make sure you have a little extra in there for things that pop up. Yep. Oh yeah. That's definitely, you need, you need to do that. How can people get in touch with you and get your book and, and all the rest of it? You could just, I'm on Instagram, Steve Griggs design, uh, website is stevegriggsdesign.com. Books on Amazon. You know, you can email me. I can send you a digital version. Mm-hmm. Um, again, the book is not, you don't do the book for money making purposes. It's really just to get your name out there. Oh, okay. And, and yeah. Well, I love a good a landscaping book though. Would I like your book? Sure. I think I would. Um, when we go, send me your, uh, your mailing address. I will send you a hard copy. I'll buy one from no, you. That's I'm, the whole no, point. No, please, please. I'm not going to, no, it's fine. I would, right. I would be honored to send you a hard copy. <laughs> I would be honored to receive it. Thank you very absolutely. Thank you very much. I probably should have hired a landscape architect to do our yard, but oh, it's done I think, now. I I think you're more than capable. You, you we'll kinda have, I kind of experiment you know. and move things around a lot. And do you have a lot of deer? A lot of deer up there? No, I'm surprised. Yeah, we just don't. Kind of like a dense old neighborhood where the 
the houses are really close together from like the 17, 1800s, you know, so no Yeah, deer. so there's more. So when I think Massachusetts, I'm thinking of like Great Barrington and up in the Berkshires where it's country, but right. they don't have a lot of deer there either. I live in the suburbs outside of New York City mm. and the deer eat everything. Yeah, the deer can be a real problem. There's, there's not there's not much that they don't like. So when you have deer in the landscape, you're very limited on the palate. Mm. Very limited. Unless you want to spray, there's yeah. deer scram. That actually works very well. It's a granular mm. that you put around that keeps the deer off of them. You can spray it, but this, you know, try to plant stuff that doesn't need a lot of maintenance because you don't want to be out there every weekend tending to your garden. You want to just enjoy it. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And it's hard to find people to tend to your garden, I can tell you. Very hard. The people who hand the- weed, never forget it. Biggest problem of our industry right now is trying to find guys that just don't want to come cut the grass and run out. Very hard to find the good old gardeners. Yep. That's why you try to plant stuff that doesn't need a lot of maintenance. Thanks for listening to the podcast. I wouldn't be able to do this without you, the listener. I invite you to join me on Instagram at Talking Home Renovations, where we are building up a friendly community. Other ways to get in touch are in the show notes, including the weekly newsletter that includes photos from the episodes. It's kind of worth signing up for that. Talking Home Renovations with Alice Maven is proud to be a member of Gable Media, the most engaged AEC network on the planet. If you're into architecture, check out what the network has to offer at gablemedia.com. That is G-A-B-L-M-E-D-I-A dot com. Until next time, take it easy.